The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about what one of the world's most prominent communications agencies thinks about marketing. Joining us is Joe Kingsbury, who is the Managing Director of Business Marketing at Edelman, which is the largest communications firm in the world. With 60 offices around the globe, Edelman is a different kind of agency partner designing targeted communication strategies that leverage the best of PR, marketing, advertising, and demand generation, all underpinned by an editorial mindset that sets them apart. Yesterday, Joe and I talked about whether there is too much B2B thought leadership content, and today we're going to continue the conversation talking about why your thought leadership content doesn't stand out. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Joe Kingsbury, the Managing Director of Business Marketing at Edelman. Joe, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. Excited to have you back on the show. Excited to continue our conversation. You know, yesterday we talked about the trends that you've seen. You did some research on how buyers in B2B perceive thought leadership content. And it's an overwhelming prospect these days. Brands, as a result of the pandemic, have moved almost all of their marketing online. Content marketing has been a huge focus, which means more thought leadership has been produced, which means more bad thought leadership content has been produced. And so now we're overwhelmed with the amount that we can read, the amount that we can follow and consume, and it's hard to sift through what's working and what isn't. I'm sure that there is a marketer listening to this podcast who's thinking, I've been producing thought leadership blogs, podcasts, videos, nobody's listening, it's not working, I give up. What's the problem with their thought leadership strategy? Why isn't their content working? I don't know that there's ever sort of one simple answer to a big question like that, but where we would begin to try and unpack that, I think, is really looking at whether or not your thought leadership content truly meets the needs of your target audience. And I know it sounds so basic. So one of the things that we often see is that companies don't invest the time and the effort up front before they generate thought leadership content to really dig into what a particular target audience will really value. Oftentimes that takes research. It could involve talking with the sales team to understand what's happening in the trenches, what's keeping our customers up at night. So what we see sometimes is that when companies skip that hard part, for lack of a better description, 
that they just kind of publish content that's focused on an opinion that they may have, but they haven't really tested whether or not that's something that the target audience will truly find of value. So let's go through a little mock case study here. I've been recording B2B and B2C podcasts for about four years in the MarTech space. Most of that content is interview related. I've talked to a lot of people like you who are experts in the field, and I want to go create thought leadership myself. And I want to be a thought leader in MarTech. Is it just that I have to go create a view of what's happening in the MarTech industry and try to syndicate it? You know, how would you advise me to go think about building thought leadership? And honestly, what's the purpose of going out and doing that? I think probably one opportunity is to actually, as I was saying before, kind of hear directly from your customers what they're most concerned about right now. And, and you know, and certainly in the MarTech category, things are evolving so quickly, right? The topics and the trends may be a bit different a few months from now than they are today. But this applies to a lot of companies that maybe have a thought leadership platform. They've been able to get good results from that and getting results from their way of executing, but perhaps not taking the time to, again, sort of go back directly to the target audience and to understand what are your specific needs right now. So one of the things that we found in our research was just the overwhelming importance of being very timely in terms of the current issues that are challenges for your customers, as well as picking and choosing the right spots to stretch customers' imagination around sort of what the future looks like. And we found that on that last one in particular, that's often something that higher level executives, so the C-suite often wants to understand, you know, not just what are the trends, they likely understand that, but help me unpack what that means specifically for my company and how we should be thinking about solving a problem. It's interesting. You know, I I don't know if I want to call myself a thought leader in the MarTech space. I feel like I am a conduit for thought leaders. But I feel like in this space, when you're producing a lot of content and you're putting your name next to it, people infer that you have an understanding and knowledge that they don't. In plain English, people probably think I'm smarter than I actually am. Everybody, I just sit here and ask the questions. (laughs) I think you're probably being modest, but yeah, I understand the point. Look, I listen to everybody's answers as well. You know, maybe I've picked up a thing here or two. And so I guess the question is, how much does volume play a place in whether your content strategy is working and how much of it is actually having a unique perspective for the industry that's listening to you? I think the answer to that is going to vary depending upon, you know, which company you're talking about and what their objectives are. But in general, I would say that volume certainly does play a role, at least in terms of being able to build an audience over time and to build, I'll use this term loosely, but a relationship with that audience in order to really be able to help them maybe see the world in a way that you do or at least to indicate that, hey, we understand truly what your pain points and challenges are, and here's kind of how we look at things. For the companies that we work with, typically that is really one of their biggest objectives, right? Is they want to condition the marketplace in their favor, and they want their buyers or prospects to understand that, hey, this company really has a point of view that is valuable to us, 
they seem like the kind of partner or provider that could potentially help us solve a really big problem. Therefore, I'm now more inclined to actually look deeper into their products and services and potentially even invite them in for a conversation. And then for the people who are focused on demand gen out there, we all know that oftentimes in B2B, it's not just about a volume of leads, but it's about right the quality of the leads. Are you getting to the right kind of ideal customer profile for your company? And then even further than that, are they coming to you in the right context? Are they asking the kinds of questions that you want them to? Are they ready to have sort of a productive conversation? So that may have strayed a little bit away from the volume point, but I guess I would just kind of wrap that by saying that in order to actually accomplish that, certainly volume does play a role in actually shifting somebody's perception of you in that way. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Whenever I talk to anybody about building a podcast, if I'm doing some consulting or some advisory work, the answer is always produce a lot of content. And the reason for that is, A, it gives you more opportunity to have your content distributed and shared. The people that do like what you're doing will share when you hit them with the right piece of content, but you're not exactly sure what that is. So put a lot of bullets in the gun, for lack of a better term. And when people do start to listen to you, you're building three key factors related to awareness, know, like, and trust. And to me, the quality of your content obviously is the most important. If you're just producing garbage, there's no point in people actually consuming your content. It's not going to help your business. But if you have sort of a minimum threshold of professionalism and quality enough to actually help someone get information or answer some of the questions they might have or just use their brains... The goal here is to get them to know you, have some awareness, get them to like you and to trust you. And that helps you get into the consideration phase. So when you think about what is or isn't working in content, 
I think that there's the quality of your content, there's the volume of your content, and then there's the distribution method, how you're actually syndicating it and getting it out to the masses. Am I thinking about content distribution the right way? Is, is that how you stand up? Is it just quality, volume, and a push mechanism? How are you thinking about actually making sure content gets to the right people and gets the right message across? Yeah, at a high level, I think that you really hit on the key points there, Ben. I would say, again, not to belabor the point, but just going back to really understanding the specific needs of the customers. In the research that we conducted, we found that 47% of buyers said that the thought leadership content that they're seeing doesn't even seem to be created with their specific needs in mind, which again, is kind of a fundamental breakdown. And I would say the other thing that's really specific to B2B is that as the buyer committee or whatever phrase you want to use for the multiple decision makers that are involved in making purchases, as that committee has grown and sort of diversified over time, it becomes an even more complex challenge to make sure that you're sort of hitting the right notes for people who may think differently and want different kinds of information. I would say in terms of the kinds of content there's no one size fits all. I think that's a, an important takeaway just in life, I guess, but also in terms of the research that we did. But there were some other things that really came through. One is that B2B buyers want a more human and a less formal tone of voice in the content that they're seeing. And I think that that may speak to, um, you know, we were talking earlier about just the need for authenticity or the desire to be consuming something that feels authentic and genuine. So we thought that that was interesting that human and informal is typically preferred over an academic or intellectual tone. Again, we kind of hit on the idea that it's important to prominently feature the point of view of an identifiable author. What we see is that buyers just tend to prefer connecting with a personality, whether that's an executive or a subject matter expert within the company, more so than the faceless brand. And then some other attributes that really kind of jumped out at us is that your content really should not be overly salesy. If you're only focused on selling a product or describing a product, typically buyers are going to see through that very easily. They also want thinking that is original and bring some new ideas to the table. And I know that that's certainly easier said than done, but companies that take the time to invest in the planning and the generation of smart content that hits on some of these notes, we see tend to certainly outperform. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, content marketing is to me more on the artistic side of marketing. There's always a blend of art and science. Yes, we want to use data. Yes, we want to math the crap out of all of our marketing efforts and figure out exactly what the ROI is from every pixel and every second we use. But it takes a long time to develop a content marketing strategy that works to cultivate a voice. And, and to me, there is this delicate balance of thought leadership. You know, what do we actually have to say that we want to put time into that we think is unique? And then just letting shooters shoot, letting content creators create content, put things out there and figure out what works. It's a complicated topic and figuring out what actually works is even more complicated. And so that's what we're going to talk about in tomorrow's episode. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Joe Kingsbury, Managing Director of Business Marketing at Edelman, for joining us. In the third part of this conversation, which we'll publish tomorrow, Joe and I are going to talk about whether your thought leadership is actually working or not. 
If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Joe, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is jkingsbury, that's J-K-I-N-G-S-B-U-R-Y, or you can visit his company's website, which is edelman.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Schapp, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.